Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello and welcome. My name is uh, Christopher Gallagher. I'm a breast medical oncologist and the medical director of cancer services at MedStar Washington Hospital Center. Uh, and I'm here today with Dr. Adam Brusky, and we're going to talk about real-world evidence to expand the knowledge of CDK4-6 inhibitor-related adverse effects. So, Adam, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. So, uh, in talking about real-world evidence with CDK4-6 inhibitors, um, we sort of know what the randomized clinical trials say in some of our clinical experience. Um, and what can we learn from uh, some of the real-world evidence about dose modifications and discontinuations and why, they, why they're done. Well, the first thing is, I think the biggest thing people wonder, you know, this is like the old joke that we always used to say, you know, Doc, my hair isn't falling out. Is my chemo working? You know, I'm not sick enough. Is, are things working? And so one question people always have is that when we dose reduce, um, does it really compromise efficacy? And I think that one thing we've learned, at least across the CDK4-6 inhibitors, let's talk about the CDK4-6 inhibitors. I think those are the most important ones to talk about right now. Uh, with the CDK4s, you know, forever, because the progression-free survivals were kind of the same in all the randomized trials, um, and in the real-world evidence, the progression-free survival seems to be the same, you know, basically about 24 to 28 months for most patients. You know, we tended to choose, you know, these based on toxicity. And one of the questions, again, when you do a randomized clinical trial, it's really, you know, everything is closely monitored and you have to stop patients. You know, if someone had a grade three neutropenia, for example, you know, you had to treat them in a certain way. You had to withdraw them in a certain way. If someone had diarrhea, you had to treat them according to the protocol. You couldn't treat them according to your clinical judgment. Hopefully the clinical judgment and the protocol were the same most of the time. And I think it's really important you know, when we when we look at real world evidence uh, to kind of see how these things really work in the real world, a, a really good example, I think, comes from the P-Reality X trial. And P-Reality X was this real world analysis of almost 3,000 women uh, from the Flatiron database, uh, half of which we had letrozole only and half of which had letrozole and palpocyclin. And one thing uh, that we found in that database, as well as I think the IRIS database, if I'm not mistaken, which is a kind of a European and American collaboration, is that the incidence of neutropenia, severe neutropenia, was lower in the real world than in the clinical trial. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think one reason when we look at a lot of this data is that you start at a lower dose. I mean, probably 15% of the time or so, you'd start at 100. American oncologists, interestingly enough, about probably 5 or 10% of them started a patient at 75 which is, you know, really a big dose reduction. But what's really important uh, in that, you know, so that, and so there was lower neutropenia and it's number one. That's what we saw. The other thing that we've noticed that people are always wondering about is the length, you know, is actually data from a long time. Are there any long-term side effects of being on CDK4-6 inhibitors? And I think we have the most data from palbocyclib. We do have some from Rebema and some from Ribo, but most of it's from palbocyclib. And we, we know you know, there have been some analyses that have been done of long-term uh, patients on these drugs for three, four, five years, and really no new side effects have appeared. 
um, you know, things like, you know, you're worried about leukemia or you're worried about some other unknown side effect that could arise and nothing has happened from that, which is really good. Um, but I think what also is really important is that we now have data on efficacy in dose reduction, that basically you can reduce the dose and still see the same progression-free survival, which I think is really important across CDK4-6 inhibitors, that we have that data. We have data also from the clinical trials that's helpful. Um, but again, the clinical trials are very controlled control trials. And I think in the real world, we tend to dose reduce quite a lot more. Um, we tend to, you know, kind of maybe treat people right at the border, you know, a, say a state a grade three, you know, reduced to grade two. Um, I think that we're in a trial, we're much more conservative about how we treat people. So I think that there's a lot of really interesting data that comes out of this that helps us um, and helps the patient as well kind of understand that if we have to reduce the dose uh, of a drug, especially a CDK4-6 inhibitor, that they will do just as well and that there are no long-term toxicities. I think that's what makes patients uh, happy when we kind of talk to them about them and they make yeah. them feel comfortable about it. I, I agree completely. I mean, when you have to tell a woman she needs to be dose reduced, I mean, her for, for sometimes their first come back to you is, please don't, I don't want to. But, you know, when we have real world data and say, well, it's safe to do it and the efficacy is going to be the same, uh, I think women are very reassured, you know, because there's women who don't want that dose reduction. And I think the real world data really uh, helps us with CDK4-6 inhibitors uh, and having that conversation. No, yeah, I agree completely. Well, thanks, Dr. Brofsky. I think we'll we'll wrap up this part of our conversation. I think it was uh, reassuring to talk about some of the real-world adverse effects and how uh, when we can measure them, we can actually better inform our, our patients. Yes, I agree. And again, thank everybody for listening. Thank you very much. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative. GLC and Total CME LLC and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com/cme. Thank you for listening.